Hallelujah. Today, um, I want to remind us again that um, we have a few more days left for the end of the year. The year has not ended yet. So I am encouraging all of us to continue in the things that we do for God. Don't give up. Just believe in the power of God to bring about transformation in your life. Amen. For greater things to be manifested in your life. December 31, we are meeting here for our crossover event. That is going to uh, be the launching part for us into 2022. And I want you to come with your families. I want you to come believing that the way things went in 2021, if they didn't go well, things are going to be better for you. Amen. So um, thank you all today for being in the house of God. We um, will make the declaration for today. Uh, this is going to be one of the uh, last few ones that we'll be doing for the year. And then after that, uh, we will listen to the word of God. The eternal God is our refuge. He opens rivers in desolate heights. The Lord makes the wilderness a pool of water. The Lord God is my sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. Therefore, I delight myself in him. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall be fresh and flourishing. Though the earth be shaken, the name of the Lord is my strong tower. By faith, I affirm that in Christ alone is my salvation. In him I live and move and have my being. It is written, the righteous are like a tree planted by the waters, bearing fruits in its season. So I boldly declare, as for me, my God has made me exceedingly fruitful. In this season, my spirit bears fruits of righteousness. My talents make way for me. With my hands, I will plant. I will build, I will harvest, day by day, step by step, in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. So today, I want to share a message. I'll be doing it again next week. A message which I have titled, Divine Alignment, Part 1. Amen. Divine al alignment is a word, a term I've heard Pastor Joe use very often, alignment, be aligned, etc. But it's a very appropriate word, especially for us during this Christmas. You know, if anything that God had said about the coming onto the scene of Jesus Christ went wrong or shifted out of line, we would have had a problem. If Jesus wasn't born in Bethlehem but was born in Osu, it would have been a problem. If, if Jesus was not nailed on a, on a cross, but was nailed on a, a piece of rubber, it would have been, everything had to align with what God had said. So in our lives as believers, 
our lives have to be aligned with the purpose of God for which we were created in order to get the oil to flow. Amen. And we are going to pick our scriptural passage from 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's a very popular story. And we'll be taking verses 3 to 12. And I decided to use the NIV. But before I read the text, how many of you use cars here? Yeah. I mean, America is nice. In, in Africa, a lot of us use Trotro. And uh, we use other. But this, we come here and then people uh, buy cars for the first time in their lives. And then we keep buying more expensive cars. And the pastor has to go praying for cars. And, but most of us here, we use cars. And we like cars, sometimes we get out of alignment. I don't know if the women who are not very familiar with cars know what alignment is. A lot of the women that we have around, they just sit in the car and believe that the car should move. And that's one of the greatest faiths that I can, you can ever have. They don't go around the car. They don't check anything. They, they just sit in it. And when they do the starting, the car has got to move. And when the car doesn't move, they ask Adam, what is happening? So we like cars, sometimes we get out of alignment. Things become difficult when we get out of alignment. And the simple things of life, they can become hard. There is something about alignment which is very important in, in cars or automobiles. And it's also very true in life. And in our work as Christians as well. When the car is out of alignment, what happens is that, number one, it can increase the wear of the tires when it's out of alignment. And it also has a problem sometimes when it's out of alignment with fuel economy. Uses more gas. When the car is out of alignment, things can get out of control very quickly. You know, normally a car which is well aligned, when it's on a very straight road and you leave your hands for the car to move, it will move in a straight direction unless it is impacted by another force. I'm quoting Newton here. You know, <laughs> unless it's impacted by another force. So, but when the car is not well aligned, it's not in alignment, you leave your hand just two seconds, it's going left or it's going off the road. You know, so it gets out of control very quickly. And there are safety concerns when the car is out of alignment. And all these things are also true about life, especially our Christian life. So the only safe place for you as a child of God is to be in alignment with God. When you are not in alignment with God, it's going to cost you more to do simple things. So it is my prayer that God brings all of us in ICGC Exaltation Temple into divine alignment. A supernatural anointed alignment so that we can be perfected to do the things that God has called us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me read the passage now. The passage is a popular one. It's about uh, uh, Samuel. Samuel had been crying, crying about Saul. Because Samuel was the one who went to Saul, anointed him to be king. And then God rejected Saul. But Samuel st was still weeping and mourning uh, 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 for Saul when God had rejected him. Then God had to step in with this particular, in this particular story. He said, invite, he told Samuel that invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. 
Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town, they trembled when they met him. They asked him, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. So sometimes prophets, sometimes we can get it wrong. Samuel saw Eliab and he thought, why? Because we have a serious human component. And thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. And the God, said, the God of Israel said, no. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And there is still the youngest, Jesse answered. But he's tending sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health, had a fine appearance. Somebody in the bush, this guy was fine. The problem David had was that he was very good looking. He was skilled. And sometimes when you have all of those things, skilled, you, 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 are, you are good, you are skilled in what you do, you are skilled in your job. He was a, he was a brutal instrumentalist. You know, and then the Bible says he had handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Everybody say, this is the one. Amen. You know, one thing about oil, you know, the thing that Samuel took with him was oil. And one thing about oil, I have worked, before I went to work in the gold mining industry, I worked in the oil company in Ghana. We call it GMPC. And we did some oil exploration. Oil is derived from places where they have been crushing. You know, before you can extract oil, it's not like it's just sitting somewhere and you just go and scoop. Some of the places that we drill for oil, they were beneath the sea. So we went offshore, miles off the coast of Ghana to somewhere around Côte d'Ivoire, and then we had ships sitting on the water, and then we had drill, I mean the ships were called drill ships. They had, they had drilling equipment, and then they would drill through the water to get to the hard rock, go into the hard rock, and then somewhere along the line, maybe we'll hit something that we think is oil. Before oil begins uh, to flow from any place, they have got to be crushing. They have got to be disturbance. If, if, if oil is even going to come from a seed, cashew nut, or regular peat, you've got to crush it. It's go, if it's going to come from the ground, there has got to be crushing. You know, and uh, one thing that we, what happened was sometimes when we drill through the ground, we are supposed to test the rock to see if the rock has got oil in it. And then we put it under UV fluorescence. 
And then when there is something that in science or in the, the program that I did uh, called fluorescence, it means that there's oil. So the oil, you, you put a sample under a microscope and then under UV light and then there is fluorescence and then we are all happy, oil. But sometimes we only find out that the oil is just contaminated, oil which came from the drill machine itself which just contaminated the rock. But the point I'm making is that look at the effort that is taken just to get oil. There is compression, there is breaking, there is squeezing, there is disturbance. So Samuel was in a place like that. He was grieving, he was mourning for Saul who had been rejected by God. You know, and the background to this story is what I've told you. God had planned for Israel to be led and directed by judges. So that he himself will be their king. But the Israelites did what a lot of us do today. They compared themselves to the nations around them. Those who had kings. And they said, we too, we want kings. There are a lot of us, the day we go into somebody's home, is the day that war begins in our home. Because we saw something that our eyes should not have seen. We want it in our house too. Hey. Then we come like we didn't see it. You saw you came, where did you get an idea for it? Oh, no, it just came from my spirit. You know it's a lie. You saw it in somebody's home. And you compare. And you also want that thing. So Saul was not God's will for Israel. So in what I'm going to talk about, you, you should see Saul as our individual will. The will of man. He was born out of the people's will, not God's. So today I'm going to be talking about Seven important elements we can glean from this passage in this part one. And the first point is that God is not in your life to bless your will. He's not in your life to bless your will. A lot of us do things out of the will of God. Then we get into trouble. We get into a debacle. We, we expect God to bless those things. And people will go and they'll just go and get themselves hooked up to the wrong woman or to the wrong man. And then they, they still expect God to bless that mistake. When they stepped out of the will of God, a lot of us do that. The reason is that those things will often end up in a mess because they are not planned by God for you in the first place. The fact is God wants to bring us into alignment with his will. When we allow our choices to be guided by the spirit of God, it helps to align us, us with the will of God. So the freedom, the freedom to do whatever we will is the problem of America today. You, you can do anything. It's my own body. It's, it's, the, it's the problem I think we have in this country. It has caused many to end up in wrong places with wrong people and to do things that we have not been created to do there are two verses in the book of proverbs that proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 and then proverbs chapter 16 and 25 they say the same thing see it's a, it's a verse that we picked up growing up as christians it says that there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death you know, you cannot choose the way of death 
and then expect God to bless in some way, somehow, anyway. You know, God expects us to be well aligned with him so that we don't make that choice in the first place. And it, it becomes better for God to bless us in those situations. If we choose the way of death, it becomes difficult for God to bless that way. Amen. The second point is that do not try to bring everybody into alignment with what God has purposed for your life. Sometimes God has purposed something for you. It is for you alone. Move on that path alone. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane interestingly means oil press. Oil press. The pressure that produces oil. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was in a very difficult place. He was in a hard place. And a struggle was going on within Jesus to choose God's will, which was David. I mean, I'm using it figuratively. Or his own will, which is Saul. Saul was the will of the people, so that's how I'm using it that way. There is no way that Jesus would have gone to Calvary without winning that battle at Gethsemane. The journey of his life, or that journey of his life was what God had purposed for him. But there was an error which he made in that area. Not a sin, but something that I think he, he, it was made to serve as a lesson to all of us. He tried to align three of his closest disciples, who are referred to as the inner circle, with that purpose. He went with them to many places. And this time, on the, on the road to the cross, at this point called Gethsemane, he also brought them along with him. To teach us a lesson that there are going to be moments in your divine purpose that you cannot even carry your close friends along with you. I want to say that again because sometimes we think that because God has spoken to us, it is for everybody. There are going to be moments in your divine purpose that you cannot carry even your closest friends with you. And Abraham had a moment like that in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5. Abraham was an anointed man of God and he was, he was given a task to go and um, to sacrifice his only son Isaac. When you read Genesis 22, 5, it says that Abraham said to his young men, young men that he had been moving along with ah, to a certain point, he told them at a certain part of the journey that stay here. Stay here with the donkey. And the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So as anointed as he was, he realized that there are certain parts of the journey that's not for everyone. Sometimes you are in a certain space with God that you cannot invite company. Sometimes you are in a certain place with God that it's not necessary for you to bring certain people along with you. Everybody, everybody that likes you does not necessarily have to, to like where you are going or where God is taking you to. And may not be able to deal with where you are or where you are going to. Just because some people are good friends. Who are loyal to you does not mean that you should invite them to every space or level that God brings you into. 
They may be really close to you, but it does not mean that you should bring them into alignment with God's will and purpose for your life at that point. And people do that in their, in their purposes and their destinies, and they lose track. Before they realize, they are off. Sometimes you have got to learn how to, how to do or fulfill your purpose alone. Amen. Number three. I'm going through fast. We'll pray and then we'll leave today. The wrong people. Everybody say wrong people. The wrong people will fall asleep you at critical, at critical points in your life. If, if, if you have somebody who is wrong, uh, you see the person as a friend, the person is smiling. When it gets to a critical point in your life, they'll leave you. Just because they are not the right fit. You may have people around you who are nice, but they may not be the right people for your purpose. It does not mean that they are evil. It does not mean that they are negative. It does not mean that the, the demons have suddenly taken control of their life, but they are just the wrong people for your divine purpose. You can always tell when you have brought a wrong person along at a certain stage of your journey. They will sleep on you. And that's what the disciples did. They were closest to Jesus. Jesus saw them as very special. Jesus knew that that's what these people, I can always count on them. He took them uh, to the place where he was transfigured. And so this, this, this particular one, God was just teaching us a lesson. That when you have the wrong people for any part of your journey, they will sleep on you. They will give out on you. They are not really with you. They do not really connect with you. When we read Mark, Mark chapter 14 and 32, it's the same story. To 38, he said that then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. So Jesus even knew that even bringing them there, where he was going to to pray, they could not go with him. And he took Peter, James, and John. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. So you stay here and watch. Bible says he went a little further, not too far away even from them. And he fell on the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass for him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, that's Saul, but what you will, that's David. Then he came and then he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you? He didn't instruct them to pray. He didn't instruct, he just said, sit here while I go and pray. But he expected them to be supportive. When you have the right person, sometimes you don't have to tell the person everything. The person will just know what to do at any critical point in your life. Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And he said the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus just went a little further to pray. But when he came back, they were all asleep. It does not mean that God loves those people less. It does not mean that, like I said, demons have filled them. 
God loves you no less in a crushed place of life uh, than he does when you are anointed. It, I mean, it just doesn't mean that. But God is saying that this is often the mistake that we make in life. We are able to identify with people when the oil is flowing all over, but unable to identify with those same people when the crushing is taking place in their lives. There's going to be a moment, any, any moment of anointing is preceded by crushing. And those moments are moments that we need people around us to support us, the right people I'm talking about, to support us. Because where the people who are not connected, really supposed to be connected, they, 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 they are with you at that part of, of your journey, they will sleep on you. They will not be able to connect. Jesus was not any less God in Gethsemane than he was in the resurrection. He was the same Jesus, but here were disciples who were supposed to be close, who were sleeping on him. We always have to remember, I'll say again, that it is the crushing that releases the oil. Amen. Number four. Jesus wrestled to bring his will into alignment with God's will. Like I used the, the car example in the beginning, when your will is out of alignment and you are hearing different voices, or you are double-minded, or you are halting between opinions, two opinions or more, it, it makes you an unstable and unfruitful person. In moments like that, what you need to say is not my will, but thine, O Lord, be done. You know, when you start confessing things that way and declaring things like that, demons begin to tremble. Because they know that the moment this man becomes aligned, there's going to be trouble. And hell gets nervous because the devil knows that when you come into alignment with God and his will, God is going to begin to do amazing things in your life. So all the plan of God is always to get us out of his will. And the devil knows it. He knows that when you are well aligned, the oil is going to flow. Not going to come in, in leaks or in drops. It is going to flow in abundance in your life. The wrestling that Jesus did in Gethsemane, it involved prayer. The Bible says in Mark 14 and 41, it says that then he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? He said, it is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. So in a relatively, a relatively short period of time, Jesus prayed three times to bring himself into alignment with God's will. So what do you say about the one to three minute prayer that we have been praying? Father, in the name of Jesus, you are done. That's, for, that's the week for the, for the whole, the, the prayer for the whole week. I mean, it is not going to cut. This one to three minutes of prayer we do every day is not going to help us to be in alignment with God's will and purpose for our life. That's why in this church, we have a church that literally prays every day of the week. Just like Jesus gave the three an opportunity to wrestle to be in alignment. So it's an opportunity 
for you to be in alignment in this church. There are some who feel it's too much. And they would rather watch TV, soap, soap opera. But, and, and, and the sad thing is that, uh, sadly enough, a lot of us uh, feel that we are better than Muslims. A lot of Christians. Anointed, they, they see a Muslim, they are condemned a Muslim. But, but how can you be better than somebody who prays more than you do? Let me tell you, I, I'm friends with some, some Muslims, and the kind of um, religious attachment they have to pray. I literally, when I went to Boise, I literally lived in a home. That was like a mosque. Ask my wife. The, the mosque, I could literally pray their prayer because it was every day in my ears. It was right opposite my door before I got a, a company a, a accommodation. And they could pray. Whether it is to God or whatever, I'm saying that they were religiously attached to prayer five times a day. And you get up and say, fire of the Holy Ghost, one to three minutes, and then you think that you're a champion for the rest of the week. Listen, you need more. That's why God meant it when he said that pray without season. You think God, it was just written for nothing? Because prayer is, if you want to be a better person than somebody in the Islamic world, somebody you think that, that's for him, his faith is, not, is, is quite suspect, then do something better. The word of God knows what he's talking about when he says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that pray without season. Christians should know and Christians should do better. And that's why in this church we, we pray. It's an opportunity. I mean, it's not every day, but I, it's an opportunity to pray 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, Monday to Wednesday, and then Thursday and Friday, one hour, one hour. For those of you who cannot pray on your own, it's an opportunity for you to connect. You need God's alignment in your life. Otherwise, you cannot make it. Jesus was about to face a period of crashing. And he knew that preparing himself to be aligned with God was the only thing that could help him to endure that period in his life. So he wrestled in prayer. Amen. The fifth point for today is that Satan does not want you to be aligned with God. This, this is important because all the devil is doing 24-7 is to ensure that you are kept out of line with God. Sometimes, personally, you may think that you are keeping out of line with an individual. You are keeping out of line with a church. But what the devil is actually trying, is ultimately trying to do in your life is to get you to keep out of line with God. That's why sometimes somebody is going to, somebody is going to say things that will drive you mad. But the, his attempt is not that person. It's a, his ultimate attempt is that through that person getting you mad, he will get you out of the socket just to get you on a line. There are certain things that are going on in your life that you cannot drive through because you are out of alignment. Kingdom stuff. Everything that we have in life has got to do with alignment. Alignment is everything when it comes to the things of the kingdom as well. But the hell, the kingdom of hell hates alignment. And the reason is when you get into alignment, you do not wrestle to be anointed. I'll say that again because maybe you didn't get it. When, when, when uh, uh, the, you get into alignment with God, the anointing comes easily. Very easily. Anointing will flow when it's even it's in the car. If a car, you just somebody comes and uh, they, you know these days they said they were stealing some things from under a car. 
some catalytic converters and things like that. Once they take that thing out of a car, the car can't behave properly. Sometimes somebody comes and comes to steal your something that is supposed to make sure that the exhaust doesn't make noise. It might be little, but then the car goes through town and tu -tu 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 -tu, I mean, just like that, just of a, because of a little thing. You know, so any small thing that is out of place makes a car it difficult for a car to move. The same thing with the anointing. The anointing will flow wherever alignment occurs. You do not wrestle or get people, you, you do not wrestle or get people to shout. You know, I know I, I go to certain e events and then you see that the, sometimes it gets to a point where the man of God even gets annoyed or upset. Why? Because he's telling the people to worship and the people are not worshiping. Come prepared. Do you get my point? I mean, yeah, literally they'll put their, their anger. Somebody, I went to a program. Uh, okay, I was not at that program, but it was an event that I saw a video of. And the man of God was doing the, <laughs> the, the deliverance and things like that. And the keyboard man was playing the wrong key. And he used a very wrong uh, three word. I can't say it here. But the three word is equivalent to fool. You know, to the, to, in a church room, a church environment, because it's not a song that he wanted to play. It's not a key that he wanted to, be, uh, 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 to, to push through. You know, but I'm saying that when you are, as a man of God, you are aligned, the anointing will flow wherever the alignment occurs. You don't know how to wrestle. You don't know how to wrestle to get people to clap. You don't know how to wrestle to get people to shout. You don't know how to wrestle to get people to, say, to, to charge themselves. You no, know, there are people, you go to places and people, they have to wind the whole to charge, charge, charge. Now, no. I've been to places like that. And it's okay if that is the method you, but I'm saying that the more aligned you are, the easier for the anointing to flow. No, you don't, it doesn't depend on the person who is sitting on the front or on the choir. Because you, you go to a place, the choir will spoil your anointing. So why don't you come charge yourself? Why don't you come anointed because you are well aligned? I've gone to places where the choir, the choir people just begin to sing and the man of God says, just sit down so that I can flow. Why? Because alignment is very important. Did you ever hear of Jesus charging himself before a miracle? Woman is an issue of blood. Stand, stand there. Worship team, come. No. When they came, there was no time for that because this man was already in tune. Already in tune. I, I never, if we say we are followers of Jesus Christ, what is the charging? Yeah, bear wine this, they will charge and charge and charge and charge and charge and charge. And, and only, 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 very few people will even be touched. But let's do the right thing. No, Jesus never charged himself before a miracle. He was already always in tune with the spirit of God. I, I don't need a worship team. You don't need prayer warriors or musical instruments to charge you if you're already in alignment with God. You don't need that. When you get into alignment, there's an anointing that flows automatically from the head to the soles of your feet. In part two, I'm going to talk more on that. If the enemy cannot stop you from being anointed, he's going to do everything to stop you from being in place. If he knows that anointing upon you, the next thing he's going to do is to make sure you are going to chase somebody's wife or you are going to uh, be doing the wrong thing. I mean, he's going to get you just to be out of place to make sure that the anointing will not flow. He will disrupt it. He will let somebody upset you. You come to church, you will let somebody roll his eyes on you. 
Sometimes the person is just rolling their eyes because that is the person's nature. But you see it in a different way that did you <laughs> did you see that woman? He rolled her eyes on me. Or the man, he rolled his eyes on me. I mean, he'll let you see things that will just get you out of the socket of being well aligned with the Spirit of God. This same thing causes people to react negatively. When people are not aligned, they begin to react negatively. It causes people to change wives. It causes people to change husbands. It causes people to change churches. It causes people to move from one state to another state. It causes people to move from one country. It causes people to change jobs just because the enemy just wants to take you out of alignment. What needs to change sometimes in our lives is the spirit of rebellion to bring you into alignment with God once again. Once you do that, the anointing begins to flow. It causes yokes to be broken. It causes walls to come down. It causes chains to be smashed. It causes doors to be opened. It causes healing to occur. It causes breakthroughs to result. All because you are in alignment with God. So alignment is awesome. When people in the church or family are aligned or in alignment, amazing things take place. Any church where great things take place, you realize that the people are together. I know every church that is talking to but if they're talking is too much, there's no way that God can flow in a place like that. When people are in alignment, amazing things take place. The spirit that causes dissensions, the spirit that causes discord, the spirit that causes breakups in the body of Christ is from Satan. He's, he's, he's the only one who is concerned about that because his only mission is to make sure that things are not in place. When things are not in place, it causes him to be able to do the things that he has purpose to do to cripple you. Amen. Number six, the Holy Spirit moves when we are in one accord. The Holy Spirit moves when we are in one accord. You know, one thing I want you to know, maybe you have not heard before, but holiness comes from the Holy Spirit. Period. I know, I mean, people come to church, they want you to wear the right skirt, they want you to wear the right shoe, they want your shirt is too, your, your, your shorts is too tight, and those things are, are, are things that we can say, but if the person will live a holy life according to God, it's, it comes from the Holy Spirit. If all, all those things you can tell your children, if they don't have the Holy Spirit, it's not a lie. If they are going to be out of alignment. From start to finish, from inside to outside, from top to bottom, the work of becoming holy, the work of becoming sanctified, is the work of God through the Spirit. Amen. When we read first the confirmations, when we read first Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, I took a very simple version. This is the, there are so many versions. This is the easy to read version. First Peter 1 and 2 says that God planned long ago to choose you and to make you his holy people, which is the Spirit's work. Ho holiness is not because this person is wild. It's not because this person keeps telling people, don't do this. Don't, no, no. Holiness from God comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a which is the Spirit's work. To make you his holy people, it is the Spirit's work. God wanted you to obey him and to be made clean by the blood of Jesus. When we read um, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, it's a, it's a verse which we are, we are very familiar with too. You know, it says, follow, 
peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. You know, a lot, I mean, a lot of um, people, a lot of children of God, when we are ministering this word, we don't even minister the first part. We only say holiness without which no man shall see God. No. Prior to the holiness, God wants us to be aligned. He said, follow peace with all men. To be, to be in place with all men. You can't be a cantankerous person. Yeah, everywhere you go, discord. Everywhere you go, there is fire. Everywhere, then, then, then shortly after that, you begin to lead a, quiet, a holy life. And because of that, conqueror, you go to heaven. A lot of people talk about holiness, but they never mention peace with all men. Peace with all men is alignment. And sadly, some of the same people who say these things, they are full of hate. They are full of acrimonious behavior, attitudes. They are full of strife. They cause dissensions in the body of Christ. They cause divisions in the body of Christ. Listen, being in alignment with people is stated in this passage first before holiness. We need to be in alignment to get the work of the Holy Spirit to, to be effective in our lives. And the message I have from, for, for you from this is that you cannot be a holy and divisive person at the same time. You cannot be a holy, I'll say it again, you cannot be a holy person who is divisive at the same time. Let me say that again. You cannot call yourself holy if you're a divisive person at the same time. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. You know, I remember the story in Oboasi. There was a lady, we, she used to sell videos to us. In those days, we used to be, we, we used the, the rental stores, they had the VHRs, and we'll go and then you be somebody who registers with the people and then, but anytime we went there, this lady from a church, <laughs> I don't want to mention the church's name, but this church is a renowned church that talks about holiness, Conkrum. And this, this, this lady, every time you get into that store, because that's the church I actually started from, as a believer. When you enter the store, she begins. You need to move in holiness. You need to be right about God. Even before, you just sell me the video and let me go. But she minister this thing to you. One day, I was coming from work. And then I noticed that there was a crowd of people around the marketplace. And this time around, normally I don't do this. So let, let me go and see what is happening here. And then I went into the marketplace and I saw Conkron. I saw this woman, this holiness woman, fighting with another person, another woman, in public, in the Obuasi market, over a man. Huh. What is all this about? You cannot be a holy person and a divisive person at the same time. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 makes the picture I'm, I'm, I'm making clearer. That's the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the people. It says, Acts chapter 2, 1 and 2 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord. Everyone say one accord. They were all in one accord in one place. That is when the Holy Spirit came in. The Bible says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. That was the Holy Spirit. 
once they were all in one accord in one place the spirit moved in god will not flow in confusion god will not flow in discourse god will not flow in chaos god will not flow in bickering god will not flow in murmuring god will not flow in in complaining in in any area of your lives and when it comes to marriages and family church god will not flow in any of these situations the bible says in first corinthians 14 33 it says for god is not the author of confusion not an author but the the, but the real author of confusion is the devil the devil is the only one who causes confusion where the spirit of god moves there is peace amen bible said that god is not the author of confusion he's the author of peace but of peace as in all churches of the saints so god wants us to be in alignment everybody say alignment the, the fighting and disagreements in the body of christ is not helping us fulfill the purpose of god in our lives you know as a pastor i have seen many horrible fights in the house of god as a pastor I've been many and see that oh should i be judging fights because they are people of the world no born again tongue speaking believers i mean but they will come literally fighting many many serious and i ask myself why why do we why do we fight because when we fight among ourselves what we are actually doing is that we are fighting God's purpose in our lives. And it, it is at the detriment of our destinies. So beloved, and I wrote here that there is no point in winning the battle but losing the ultimate war. No point. Fighter, people, they are certain when they come to church, they will fight. They are just, it's like they are looking for the next place where they can get a fight. They will quarrel. And every church service after church service is a breaking news. They are looking, there has to be something. There has to be something. Get aligned. Amen. Finally, for today, your blessing, this is the most important point I'm going to make for today. Your blessing is tied to a particular location. I know, I know that the blessings of God are everywhere. But sometimes when God is dealing with you according to his purpose, we can miss the blessing when we get out of alignment with that divine purpose. The blessing of God, in this case, it requires divine positioning. You cannot be all over the place when it comes to divine purpose. In divine, that's what I said in the beginning, when it comes to Christmas, if Jesus, instead of being born in Bethlehem, was born in Osu, it would have been trouble. They have thrown everything that God had purposed out of plan. So the blessing of God when there is a divine purpose for you requires you to divinely position yourself. You cannot be all over the place when it comes to your divine purpose. So let me end with this important message from the book of Genesis. Chapter 16 and then verses 6 to 10. It's about Abraham. At that time, he was called Abram. Bible says, but Abram said to Sarai, she is your slave. You can do anything you want to her. Sometimes, I mean, the things have not changed. Women are women. Amen. You know, Hagar was the, like um, 
the, the one who was used, Sarah recommended a recommendation and then told, since I cannot have a baby and since God said we should have a child, we can have a child anyway, maybe it's going to be through Hagar. And then as a man, Abraham, anointed Abraham just went, the Bible says he went into Hagar right away. Didn't seek the face of God or anything. Just did that. So what happened was that immediately uh, Hagar became pregnant. And then uh, Sarai was cruel to Hagar and, 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 and then Hagar ran away. But when Sar Sarai came to, I mean, ask Abraham about it. Abraham, if, if, if you want your marriage to succeed, some of these things, you have got to learn it. He said, well, what should I do about this situation? Then this is Abraham's answer. She's your slave. You can do anything you want to her. In his head, I think it was a different answer. But he didn't want any trouble with Sarah or Sarai at that point. Can I hear an Amen. I have been married for 26 years, so some of these things, I've got to learn it. And some of you who come to the game with like a pocket lawyer, every day, if you are not careful, it won't last too. There is a kind of um, reverence that you have got to give to the woman in your life. If you want to go the long distance. Amen. So, Sarai was cruel to Hagar and Hagar ran away. And uh, uh, Hagar sons Ishmael too. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring of water in the desert. And the spring was by the road to shore. The angel said, Hagar, Sarai, slave girl, where are you or why are you here and where are you going? And Hagar said, I am running away from Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Sarai is your owner. Go home to her and submit to her. And the angel of the Lord also said, from you will come many people, too many people to count. So that means that Sarai was the one who was supposed to have the blessing, but Hagar also had a blessing associated with her life. And that blessing was only going to come to Hagar once she connected to a particular location. The particular location was at the place where Sarai was. He said, Sarai is your owner. Go home to her and submit to her. You know, a lot of believers are unable to do what Hagar did. Because Hagar went back and reconnected. Some people don't know why a lot of these Muslims, sometimes they don't, pray, they don't pray the way you do. You pray in tongues, they don't do it. But they are blessed. They are, some of them are seriously rich. Rich, not money rich, but oil rich. Very serious wealth. And you see a lot of believers. We pray, we come up and down. But there was also a blessing associated or linked to Hagar, but the blessing could only materialize if she connected to a particular location and submitted. That submission part is difficult. Going back and submitting because a blessing can wait for you at a particular location, but if you are not able to submit, you grumble, you complain, and you leave. And if, if you are not able to just submit so that you come back and take the blessing from that place, you run through life in circles chasing that blessing. Beloved, your blessing is waiting for you in a particular place. You cannot allow your emotions to move you out of alignment. So that you miss your blessing. 
Sometimes all you have got to do is to humble yourself. Sometimes all you have got to do is to swallow your pride. Sometimes all you have got to do is to say that I was wrong here and I'm connecting back to the place of promise so that I can receive the blessings of God. The blessing for you to receive is in a particular place. The blessing has an address on it and you have got to be at the right place. You have got to be at the right place at the right time to get what God has got for you. As, as a Christian, I have served in the church of Pentecost. I was a Sunday school teacher in the church of Pentecost. I have also served in the Lighthouse Church. I have also served in ICGZ churches in Africa and also in the United States. Not only this place. There has never been a time when I left because of contention. Never. I'm able to, sometimes I think we're having a service, the person I served um, 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 with at a, a particular ICGC church, he just walked into the auditorium, I think when we we're at Shareway, you know, like that. It's because of that association. There has always been a, a divine reason for why I, I move out of any particular, according to the divine direction. When we went to Lighthouse, I thought I was going to be there for just one, one year. I was there for six years. Because God wanted me there for a particular reason. There has never, ever been any reason why I left any of these places because of contention. Never. And the reason is you never know where your blessing is tied to. You never know. So be humble. And make sure that you do not get out of your divine alignment. Ever. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? So maybe today um, you have been listening to me. You're on the YouTube. You're on the Zoom platform. And uh, for a long time you have been out of alignment. You, but you, you need, in the first place, you have not even aligned yourself by giving your life to Jesus. Uh, this is the opportunity I want to give you. It's a simple prayer that you can pray with me. That Father, I thank you for your perfect gift of Jesus. I admit that I am a sinner and without Jesus I can do nothing so I accept Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior today I'm asking that the blood of Jesus would wash me of every sin and cause me to have a right standing with you I thank you Lord that you have heard me and that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life Thank you, in Jesus' name.